Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. A friend of mine from many years ago was traveling back from speaking at a church and he drifted off. Basically, he fell asleep at the wheel and it wasn't long before the car swerved into the central reservation. The jolt woke him up and fortunately, no one was near and so he was able to stop safely at the side of the road. And the car all along the side was damaged, but his life was saved. And he said that if it wasn't for the barrier in that central reservation, and if he'd kept on course that he was taking, he'd have driven straight into oncoming traffic. I tell you, it scared the life out of him as it was just so dangerous. But thank goodness for the central reservation, for the guardrail that saved his and possibly other people's lives. Now, we are into a brand new series called Guardrails. It's based on an Andy Stanley North Point series. Now, we all know what a guardrail is. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, normally they're kind of found in three places. They're on bridges or anywhere where there's this steep drop. Uh, kind of to stop us from falling off the edge and into the abyss. On dual carriageways to protect us from oncoming traffic and also at bends in the road because they're normally unexpected changes to the kind of the road layout. Now, rarely are they found in the middle of nowhere like these ones are today. But guardrails do two things primarily. They direct us and they protect us. Now, something else which is going on, which is going to be important that as we go through this series, is that guardrails are placed in the safe zone. They're never placed in the danger zone. You know, we don't drive close to the edge of a bridge or too close to the oncoming traffic on a dual carriageway because the guardrails, the barriers, are always placed in the safe zone to protect us. The other thing about guardrails. Guardrails are there to minimize damage. Now, the damage done if we ever hit one is, well, it's minimal compared to the devastation of what would happen without one. You know, my friend is still alive because of the guardrail, the central reservation. Some of you are thinking, what is Fenning going on about guardrails for? Barriers, central reservations. One, he's not on top gear. And secondly, he's not a petrol head. So why is he focusing on this? Well, the reason is, is because roads are not the only places where we need guardrails in our lives. You see, if we're honest, most of the stories that we could tell of our biggest regrets could have been avoided if we'd had some guardrails in our lives, if we'd had some financial guardrails or moral guardrails or relational guardrails. And we just end up saying, why didn't I stop when the money was running out? Why didn't I walk out instead of staying the night? Why did I just carry on drinking when I knew that I had to drive home? So guardrails are protective decisions and actions that we take in order to stop us from going into the danger zone, which means that future regrets can be avoided if we're willing to establish some personal guardrails now. Now, the challenge we're gonna face as we talk about this over the next few weeks is that our culture doesn't like or encourage guardrails. In fact, it doesn't like any kind of firm guidelines at all. uh, Culture is content with, well, they would be like painted lines rather than guardrails. In other words, rough suggestions and some warnings, but not clear guardrails that protect us because they're too restrictive, because they would impinge on our freedom. 
So culture says, drink responsibly. That's a painted line, not a guardrail, because although it's wise advice and, and it's a good guideline, it's not very specific and clear. I mean, how do you know if you're drinking responsibly uh, and when you stop drinking responsibly? I mean, honestly, if I stopped drinking responsibly, I'd probably be too far gone to know it and stop. Or, or talk to teenagers about sex and say, wait until you're ready. Now, that sounds really wise advice. You know, don't get pushed into having sex before you're ready. But don't bother saying it to a teenage boy. Honestly, I've been one and teenage boys are always ready. Or, or with online betting as another example. You've heard the painted line warning which says, you know, when the fun stops, stop. And we can trust Ray Winston because with, you know, bet three, six, five, you know, we gamble responsibly. Now, is it wise to gamble responsibly? Of course it is. But what's the line between gambling responsibly and irresponsibly? No one likes to put a marker down because no one likes to be told no. I don't like to be told no. You don't like to be told no. And culture disses guardrails because guardrails limit us from going into the dangerous or unsafe places. A number of years ago, there was a preacher named Billy Graham. He traveled the world speaking to millions of people about Jesus. And some of you of my age or older might well have become Christians through the big events that he put on around the world. And there was a moral guideline that Billy Graham put in place early in his ministry. He said that he would never eat alone with or travel alone with or meet someone alone with another woman who wasn't his wife and it became known as the Billy Graham rule. And he, along with others who chose that route, honestly were mocked in the media. They were told that they were wrong as they were stopping women from progressing in the workplace. But the thing is, is that they didn't stop to consider the rationale behind the decision. You know, the workplace can be a hotbed of unhelpful relationships, of affairs, of marriage-wrecking behavior. And when men and women travel together, Things can happen. Honestly, I have sat with people who have been broken because of what happened on a trip abroad with another Christian and how things have got too, gone too far and got too intimate. So for Billy Graham to stay in the safe zone, to have his guardrail established was so wise that he remained faithful to his wife, Ruth, for 63 years, raising five kids. Now, how can he regret establishing that guardrail? yet he wasn't celebrated or congratulated for it. Now, I'm not saying that Billy Graham's guardrail should be everyone's guardrail, it's not mine, but he put a guardrail in place to protect himself and others. And that's so wise. But culture hates guardrails. You know, the idea of guardrails isn't new. The Old Testament and the New Testament, um, uh, we find guardrails being set up, boundaries being put in place to direct and to protect people's lives. And today I wanna to take us to a letter written by a man called Paul to a bunch of Christians meeting together in a city of Ephesus. And it's in the latter part of this letter where Paul has been talking about certain behaviors to avoid, you know, that are harmful and damaging and other behaviors to embrace and to lean into. And then he becomes really practical and he explains how to live in such a way that we don't end up in the ditch morally, relationally, financially, and living with regrets. So Paul writes this, he says, be careful how you live. And now he's speaking to Jesus followers here, but honestly, this is great advice anyway. 
He says, be careful how you live. And the word live has been translated from a little Greek word, which can also mean walk. So put it another way. So be careful how you walk. Take care as you walk through life. That's what he's saying. Sarah and I, uh, Sarah's my wife, uh, we have a dog called Poppy that we walk around the fields and the paths locally in Mendelsham. And we have stuffed in almost every coat and jeans pocket, poo bags, dog poo bags to pick up any deposits that Poppy makes. Now, not everybody does that. And so unless we're careful, it's really easy to step into dog poo on our walks, which is incredibly unpleasant. It's soft, but it's not pleasant. And so we have to watch where we walk. And Paul is saying, as you walk through life, be careful. Keep a watch on stuff that may be soft, but ultimately is not very pleasant. And he goes on, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. So he picks up on wisdom, which is a really key theme in the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're told to walk wisely. You know, walking wisely is different to choosing the right thing to do. You know, some things are right and wrong, but there's so much in life that isn't as clear as that. And wisdom helps to bring clarity where the lines seem really grey. To be wise is to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? In fact, wisdom is drawing on the past, the present and the future. So we ask, in light of our past experiences, our current circumstances and our future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? This is why Billy Graham, who loved his wife and who knew the temptations that would come his way, made his decisions regarding his own guardrail. In the light of where he'd seen other people fall in the past, his current situation and his hopes and dreams for he and his wife Ruth, what was the wise thing to do? And he wasn't saying that eating or traveling alone with a female colleague was wrong. Of course not, of course he wasn't saying that. But for him, and to protect his marriage, it was the wise decision to make not to eat or travel alone with a female colleague. Now, Paul says, live like those who are wise, who make good judgment calls. And then he goes on to add this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, grab every moment. Don't waste time and then look back and regret or wish that you could just have the time again. You can't. So grab the most of every opportunity to do good, to be wise and to do what's right. Back in 1993, Steven Spielberg uh, directed an amazing film called Schindler's List. And it was based on the true story of the Nazi Czech businessman called Oskar um, uh, Schindler. Who, who used Jewish labour to start a factory in occupied Poland. And as World War II progressed and the fate of the Jews became more and more clear, Schindler's motivation swept from profit to human sympathy. And he was able to save 1,100 Jews from death in the gas chambers. It's such a powerful story. And at the end of the film, there's this very moving moment when he's honoured by the Jewish community and he breaks down and he starts sobbing as he says, I could have saved one more. I could have saved one more. And he's overwhelmed that he'd had more opportunities to save more lives and he hadn't taken it. Paul says, don't live with that regret. Don't waste the opportunities that you have now to do good. And then he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't be foolish. Don't live as if life is disconnected, as if your past doesn't impact your future or your actions don't impact other people. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, this 
is brilliant because Paul is calling people, calling you and I, to be really honest with ourselves. You know, we know what the wise thing is to do, don't we? In almost every situation. We know when we're flirting with danger. We know when we're spending too much money. In fact, we know when we're gossiping about other people. And we know, well, we know when we make a dig at our spouse or our partner. We do know what the Lord wants us to do. It's just that we often don't want to do it. And so Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then he gives this illustration, this example of what he's talking about. And he says, this is the one thing that will help you to live carefully and to walk wisely. And he says, are you ready? He says, don't be drunk with wine. Now, this is an illustration. Some of you are not gonna like this very much. You see, wine in the first century was a safe drink. Wine was safer than water because water could get contaminated very easily. You know, being stored in those large jars for days on end, bacteria would thrive in it. And so if they drunk water, they could be sick for many days. So wine could make you drunk, but water could make you dead. So why does he say, don't get drunk on wine? Well, it's because it's a one thing leads to another thing. Don't be drunk with wine. Why? Because it will ruin your life. Getting drunk leads to something else. And this is the point of guardrails. Guardrails are about one thing that stops us from ending up where we don't want to be. We don't want to ruin our lives. So the guardrail is put in place to stop that from happening. And sadly, lives have been ruined because of what's happened as a result of getting drunk. You know, a car accident that killed, a violent attack, an affair, verbal abuse, the loss of virginity, uh, the, the arrest for public disorder, of vandalism, of addiction, of an abusive alcoholic parent. You know, do they happen every time? Of course not. Often it's funny seeing people drunk because they do and say dumb things. And so we laugh until a woman gets punched or until a car accident happens and someone realizes that everyone else has stopped drinking and they can't. So the problem with getting drunk is where it leads to, Paul says. And listen, some of you won't like this next statement, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If more than one person has told you, you drink too much, you do. You're on a pathway that will be very hard to stop going down until it's too late. So as Paul says, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Listen and act. Guardrails, guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. You know, up until this point, whether, you're, whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, this kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You might not have heard it expressed in this way, but you kind of get the drift. Well. Then Paul, who's writing to a bunch of Christians in Ephesus, concludes by pulling into his faith in Jesus. Paul has come to the realisation of who Jesus was, following Jesus' resurrection, and his life and his faith has been completely turned around by his encounter with Jesus. And so he leans into this as he concludes this section, and he writes this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit, see the New Testament teaches that when someone puts their faith in Jesus, God's presence, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in them in a mysterious way. 
and, and it's often experienced in our conscience. And Paul is saying, instead of handing over control of your life uh, to something or to someone else, whether that's alcohol, being a workaholic, greed, a hobby, a person, an affair, I want you to submit your life to the nudgings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we all have a conscience. That's not the prerogative of a Christian. <laughs> Everyone has one. But what you'll find is that the Holy Spirit takes it to another level. He prompts and he'll nudge and he'll say, are you sure you should have another drink? Is it wise to meet that person after work? No, he doesn't force us. He doesn't shout. He nudges. So Paul says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So over these next few weeks, we're gonna come back to this over and over again. Nobody wants to ruin their lives with regret, to mess up their lives or even the lives of others. That's not who we are or what we want. And so guardrails is how we plan not to. Guardrails is how we set ourselves up to walk wisely and to live carefully. So this series is more than just to make us better people. The purpose is to help us draw closer to God, our heavenly father, who loves you and who loves me and who sent Jesus to pay for your sin and for mine and to live therefore in a way that honors him, that respects him and reflects his goodness. So where do you need guardrails? Where do you need to establish some guardrails in your life? Do it now before it's too late. I know many people who have been very happy to put guardrails in after they've messed up big time. You know, they said, I'll leave my job. I'll, I'll, I'll never contact her again. I promise I won't gamble. I will never touch another drop of alcohol. Just please, please have me back. And there would be no pleading needed if they'd put guardrails in earlier. Some people do get a second chance. Others have to rebuild a very different life because they never put guardrails in place soon enough. So stick around this series and be open for the Holy Spirit to move in your life and to help you establish some guardrails to direct and protect. Let me pray. Father, would you speak to us over these coming weeks and help us to learn to live wisely, to put guardrails in place in our lives, to protect us from messing up big time and living with regrets. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit to give us strength? And would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content find a next step give financially or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fall we're looking forward to you joining us next time